Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of abruptio placentae from the obstetric section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 30-year-old G1P0 woman at 36 weeks of gestation presents to the emergency room with sudden onset of moderate back pain and strong uterine cramping that began two hours ago. 30 minutes prior to the onset of back pain, she noted bright red vaginal bleeding. She has had no prenatal care. On physical exam, she is afebrile. Her blood pressure is 130 over 80 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 109 per minute, and respirations are 18 per minute. Abdominal palpation reveals a gravid, hypertonic uterus and palpable uterine contractions. You observe blood in the vaginal vault. Results of transabdominal ultrasound demonstrate retroplacental hemorrhage. This patient was diagnosed with abruptio placentae. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick overview, abruptio placentae is defined as partial or complete placental detachment prior to delivery of the fetus. Diagnosis typically only applies to pregnancies greater than 20 weeks of gestation. Know that abruptio placentae and placenta previa are the two most common causes of third trimester bleeding. Moving on to epidemiology, the incidence of abruptio placentae is approximately 1% of all pregnancies, and know that two-thirds of cases are severe based on maternal, fetal, and neonatal morbidity. With respect to demographics, abruptio placentae is more common in African-American women. Risk factors include prior placental abruption, trauma, for example, a motor vehicle accident, maternal smoking, cocaine use, hypertensive disorders like eclampsia, preeclampsia, and chronic hypertension, premature rupture of membranes, uterine structural abnormalities such as a bicornate uterus, uterine synechiae, and leiomyoma. Other risk factors include abnormalities of maternal serum biochemical markers such as increased alpha-fetoprotein, increased HCG, and very low or very high levels of inhibin A. Another risk factor is hyperhomocystinemia. The pathophysiology of abruptio placentae involves rupture of the maternal vessels in the decidua basalis. Know that bleeding into the decidual placental interface causes placental separation from the uterine wall. Moving on to prognosis, as far as the prognosis of the mother in the setting of abruptio placentae, there is increased morbidity and mortality, but know that prompt intervention decreases the incidence of maternal mortality. Also know that there is an increased long-term risk of premature cardiovascular disease in these patients, and there is a two times risk of death after coronary artery revascularization in the future. This may reflect underlying maternal vascular abnormalities that manifest as abruption during pregnancy. In terms of the prognosis of the fetus, there is also increased morbidity and mortality, especially when preterm. Now let's talk about the presentation of abruptio placentae. Symptoms include abrupt third trimester vaginal bleeding, abdominal and or back pain, and uterine contractions. Physical exam may reveal vital signs consistent with severe bleeding, such as hypotension and tachycardia. Other physical exam findings include a gravid hypertonic uterus, uterine tenderness, blood slash clots that may be observed in the vaginal vault, and fetal distress, which will manifest with a non-reassuring fetal heart rate pattern. Moving on to imaging, ultrasound is indicated for diagnosis of retroplacental hematoma. This is classic for placental abruption and is usually present if abruption is more severe, however may be absent in milder cases of abruption. Note that ultrasound is also indicated to rule out placenta previa. In terms of studies to obtain in the workup of abruptio placentae, serum fibrinogen has the best correlation with severity of bleeding, presence of DIC, and the need for blood products. Note that less than or equal to 200 mg per deciliter of serum fibrinogen predicts severe postpartum hemorrhage. 
finally know that pathologic placental evaluation supports the clinical diagnosis of abruptio placentae. The differential diagnosis for abruptio placentae includes placenta previa, uterine rupture, as well as normal or preterm labor. The key distinguishing feature of placenta previa is this condition presents as painless vaginal bleeding. Moving on to uterine rupture, this is also associated with trauma and may have sudden onset of symptoms like vaginal bleeding, abdominal pain, fetal heart rate abnormalities, and maternal hypotension as well as tachycardia. Key distinguishing factors include loss of uterine tone slash contractions, uterine rupture occurs after the onset of labor, and other risk factors like previous cesarean section. The key distinguishing feature between normal or preterm labor is that these conditions have more gradual onset of signs slash symptoms. Now let's talk about the treatment of abruptio placentae. Medical management can include expectant management with continuous fetal monitoring, which is indicated when both the mother and the fetus are stable and the fetus is less than 34 weeks gestation. Fluid replacement is indicated in all patients with signs of bleeding. In terms of modalities, you will place one to two large bore intravenous lines and administer lactated ringers, or LR, to maintain a urine output of greater than 30 milliliters per hour. Serum studies are indicated in all patients with suspected placental abruption. Modalities include a complete blood count, or CBC, blood type and screen with cross-match if transfusion is likely, coagulation studies, and liver chemistries in patients with suspected preeclampsia or HELP syndrome. Rogam is indicated in all RHD-negative mothers with vaginal bleeding if the father is RHD-positive or unknown. As far as the modalities, you can use a single intramuscular or intravenous dose. Vaginal delivery in the setting of abruptio placentae is indicated if the fetus is greater than or equal to 36 weeks gestation and there are no other indications for cesarean delivery. If the patient is not in active labor in the setting of abruptio placentae, you should perform amniotomy and administer oxytocin. Finally, you should administer standard delivery medications such as group B streptococcus prophylaxis according to the guidelines and magnesium sulfate for neuroprotection if the patient is less than 32 weeks of gestation. Surgical options in the setting of abruptio placentae is immediate delivery with cesarean delivery, which is indicated when there is non-reassuring fetal status, hemodynamic instability in the mother, and if the fetus is 34 to 30 weeks of gestation. This is due to the risk of progressive placental separation and maternal-slash-fetal compromise. Complications of abruptio placentae include disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC, which will manifest with decreased fibrinogen levels, however, is more likely when placental separation is greater than 50%. Other complications include hemorrhagic shock, maternal death, recurrence risk in future pregnancies, and know that 3 to 15% have a recurrence, fetal anemia, and fetal death when placental separation is greater than 50%. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 21-year-old female presents to her primary care doctor for prenatal counseling before attempting to become pregnant for the first time. She is an avid runner, and the physician notes her BMI of 17.5. The patient complains of chronic fatigue, which she attributes to her busy lifestyle. The physician orders a complete blood count that reveals a hemoglobin of 10.2 grams per deciliter, with normal being between 12.1 to 15.1 grams per deciliter, with an MCV of 102 cubic micrometers, normal being between 78 to 98 cubic micrometers. A serum measurement of a catabolic derivative of methionine returns elevated. Which of the following complications is the patient at most risk for if she becomes pregnant? And the choices are 1. Hyperemesis gravidum, 2. Gestational diabetes, 3. Placenta previa, 4. Placenta abruptio, 
and 5 placenta accreta. The correct answer to this question is 4 placenta abruptio. So if you have good situational awareness and know that we're going over questions about abruptio placentae, you should have gotten this question correct. But to quickly review, this patient has hyperhomocystinemia in the setting of megaloblastic anemia, likely caused by a nutritional deficiency of folate or vitamin B12. Homocysteine is a product of the catabolism of methionine, which then can be converted back to methionine with the aid of B12 and folate. Hyperhomocystinemia is a risk factor for placental abruption. To quickly review, placenta abruptio is defined by a complete or partial separation of the placenta from the uterus before delivery, affecting up to 1% of pregnancies. There are several known risk factors for placental abruption, most notably maternal hypertension, smoking, abdominal trauma, substance abuse, thrombophilia, advanced maternal age, and multiparity. Hyperhomocystinemia promotes a prothrombotic state with formation of clots in the spiral arteries that perfuse the placenta, ultimately leading to placental abruption. So Kornbutt et al. review causes of late pregnancy bleeding. Placental abruption presents with vaginal bleeding, back pain or urine tenderness, and evidence of fetal distress. Approximately half of cases occur before 36 weeks gestation, and neonatal mortality occurs in 10 to 30% of cases. Disseminated intravascular coagulation is a secondary complication that occurs in about 10% of cases of placenta abruptio. Gottagen Wessel et al. demonstrate that hyperhomocystinemia is a risk factor for placental abruption. They retrospectively studied 84 women with placental abruption compared to 46 control patients. They found elevated fasting plasma homocysteine levels that is greater than 15 micromoles per liter at a significantly increased proportion in the placental abruption population, that is 31% compared to 9% with a p-value of less than 0.05. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, hyperemesis gravidum is incorrect, as common risk factors for hyperemesis gravidum include prior history of hyperemesis gravidum, a family history of severe nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, obesity, a first-time pregnancy, and a restrictive diet. Answer 2, gestational diabetes is incorrect, as common risk factors for gestational diabetes include maternal age greater than 25 years old, personal history of prediabetes, overweight or obese maternal weight, and a non-Caucasian race. Answer 3, placenta previa is incorrect, as common risk factors for placenta previa include prior uterine surgery, prior pregnancy, maternal age of greater than 35 years old, multiparity, and Asian race. Finally, answer 5, placenta accreta is incorrect, as common risk factors for placenta accreta include prior uterine surgery, uterine fibroids, placenta previa, maternal age greater than 35 years old, and prior pregnancy. And moving on to the final question, a 32-year-old G2P1 female at 30 weeks gestation presents to the emergency department with complaints of vaginal bleeding and severe abdominal pain. She states that she began feeling poorly yesterday with a stomach ache, nausea, and vomiting. She first noted a small amount of spotting this morning that progressed to much larger amounts of vaginal bleeding with worsened abdominal pain a few hours later, prompting her to come to the emergency department. Her previous pregnancy was without complications, and the fetus was delivered at 40 weeks by cesarean section. Fetal heart monitoring shows fetal distress with late decelerations. Which of the following is a risk factor for this patient's presenting condition? And the choices are 1. Hyperlipidemia 2. Hypertension 3. Patient age 4. Prior cesarean section and 5. Singleton pregnancy The correct answer to this question is 2. Hypertension. So this patient's presentation is most suggestive of placental abruption. 
hypertension, either chronic or pregnancy-induced, increases the risk of placental abruption. Additional risk factors for placental abruption include previous placental abruption, abdominal trauma, cocaine use, smoking, premature rupture of membranes, blood clotting disorders, multiple pregnancy, or age greater than 40. Placental abruption, the premature separation of a normally implanted placenta, and placenta previa are the two most common causes of third trimester bleeding. Placenta previa presents with painless bleeding, while abruption typically manifests with abdominal pain. Sucornbud et al. review late pregnancy bleeding. Besides abruption, other causes include placenta previa, that is implantation of the placenta over the cervical os, and vasoprevia, where fetal vessels traverse the cervical os. Abruption may necessitate rapid operative delivery to prevent neonatal morbidity or demise. Management of vaginal bleeding of any cause should include assessment of fetal and maternal status, fluid resuscitation, blood products as needed, and an appropriately timed delivery. Tikkanen discusses the epidemiology and outcomes of placental abruption. 0.6 to 1% of pregnancies are complicated by placental abruption. Maternal complications include obstetric hemorrhage, need for blood transfusion, disseminated intravascular coagulation, renal failure, or emergency hysterectomy. Fetal consequences include low birth weight, preterm delivery, hypoxia slash asphyxia, stillbirth, or perinatal death. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, hyperlipidemia is incorrect, as hyperlipidemia does not have a known association with placental abruption. Answer 3, patient age is incorrect, as although the risk of placental abruption increases with age, a patient's risk is not significantly elevated until after age 40. Answer 4, prior cesarean section is incorrect, as prior C-section is a risk factor for placenta previa. Finally, answer 5, singleton pregnancy is incorrect, as a singleton pregnancy has the lowest risk for placental abruption. A multiple pregnancy increases the risk of this complication. That's all for this review about abruptio placentae. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.